Hey, this is Jim Larrabee. I'm the lead pastor here at First Christian Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer is that the words you hear encourage you, that they challenge you, that they build your faith and draw you closer to Jesus. So, enjoy. Hey, hey, good morning, FCC. How are you guys doing today? You surviving? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally get that. We have Windpocalypse 2024 happening right now, and you guys are here. So let me give two shout outs. One, for all you folks that showed up this morning, amazing. Thank you for being here. You will get a crown in heaven that has a little picture of wind on it. Jesus will give it to you for this Sunday, which is awesome and amazing. But we know a lot of folks are like, hey, man, it's a little bit more crazy for me to drive, so you're watching from home. So let me just give a shout out to all those that are watching from home. Uh, glad you're tuning in uh, with just engaging us, and so glad you're a part of what's happening here. So here, here's what we're going to do today. The, the weather is a little bit crazy. Obviously, we're going to try to do as many services as possible. We're definitely doing this one. I, I'm 99.9% sure we're doing the second service, and then we'll make a call on third service when it gets here. But you've already got your Jesus on and out of the way, so you're good to go. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll kind of keep you informed online as you're watching that. Uh, a couple of other things. <laughs> Every once in a while, this happens. But if you are the owner, owner of a Toyota RAV4, the security guy that saw this is colorblind, so they could not give me a color of your car. It's either green, blue, yellow, or orange. You left your lights on. So anyway, so just think about it. If I, do I drive? If so, 12 of you, if you have a Toyota RAV4, go check your lights. So anyway, uh, just want to get that information out there to you. All right, next Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and and most of us probably don't have a, a skin in the game. It's, it's probably not our team that's playing, but here's what we're going to do next Sunday. What, still wear your jerseys. If your team is playing, obviously come and mock the other people that will be here in their jerseys, but you wear your jerseys. So it's kind of our final shout-out to the season of everything that's going on. You get to wear your jersey and just and just pack 2023 away uh, and then dream about 2024. So next Sunday is definitely uh, Jersey Sunday. Day, wear those. That'll be amazing. And of course, tomorrow night, Ecclesia. As, as far as we can tell, all this is going to die down about uh, probably this afternoon at some point. So everything is still happening this week in the life of the church. Uh, Ecclesia tomorrow night, which is going to be absolutely amazing. It is, if you're wondering what that is, it is a deep dive into the book of Galatians. We're going to do some church stuff. There'll be a little bit of worship. We're going to do some prayer time together. We'll be taking communion together following uh, the study. But I'm going to lead us in just kind of a deep dive into the book. We're going to take the whole year uh, and go through Galatians. Galatians every other month uh, on the first Monday of the month. And we'll record it. We won't live stream it, but we'll record it so that if you miss it, you can go back and watch it later. But that's tomorrow night. If you love that kind of thing, if that's your jam, then tomorrow night is for you. Ecclesia going to be absolutely amazing. All right. That's all the, that's all the, like the, the housekeeping I had to do. Let's dive into where we are. We're in the middle of our, our series that we're calling the essentials. Now that just doesn't mean Christianity 101 because we're going deep. We're actually going to go a little deep this morning in some of the things we're going to talk about, but we'll also hit things like spiritual warfare. We'll, we'll cover some other topics and other stories in the Bible that are just important for us as Christians, as Christ followers to know. So good stuff, kind of what we're kind of working through. And last week I gave you a statement. It's not from me. It was from A.W. Tozer, but it's a beautiful statement that kind of launches us into the next couple of messages I'm doing. And that statement was this, the most important thing about us, not our hair, not our color, not our style, none of those things. The most important thing about us is our view of God. 
And it impacts you. It's who you are. It's what, it's what your life is about. Because as we, as we view God, and if there's any distortion in that view of God, it will play out in our life. And we spent a lot of time talking about that last week, so I don't want to rehash it, but that's kind of a foundational truth for us, that, that the most important thing about us is how we view God. So it's really important that we get that right. And by right, I mean we gain a biblical understanding of who God is. Not, not my opinion of who God is, not your opinion, not some person's opinion out there, but who does the Bible say God is? So we've been on this journey, right? We're kind of tracking through this thing. Okay, who, who, is, who is God? Has he even revealed himself? Which last week we realized that he has. God has said, listen, I'm not going to hide from you. I'm going to reveal myself to you. And so we can see that his fingerprints are all over creation. We can see the things about God, who he is, some of his nature and his character. And it gets a little more in-depth when we look in the Old Testament and we see God revealing different names. And as he revealed a name, it, it will reveal a portion of his character Shaddai, God Almighty, El Shem, uh, Jehovah Shammah, that God, God is there in the future waiting on us to, to walk toward him. All those things that gave us an understanding of God's nature and his character. But probably most importantly, he's revealed himself in this book. This, this, is what I, this is what I work through every Sunday, right? We get the Bible and we work through it, we study it, because it is in his word that he has revealed his truth about who he is to us. In fact, God speaks this through the uh, prophet Jeremiah in chapter uh, 29 of Jeremiah, verse 13. He says these words, seek me and you will find me. But here's the deal. Just seek me with your whole heart. Don't, don't be halfway about this thing. If, if you seek me, you'll find me if you're willing to seek me with your whole heart. So the most important thing I can tell you, no matter where you're at in the spectrum, maybe, maybe you're just coming back to Christianity and, and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time is the truth I can tell you is this, is that if you seek God, he will be found. He's not hiding from a one of us in the room. He wants to be discovered. He wants to be found. He wants you to know who he is. Now, if you remember from last week, I kind of got to the end of that message, and some of you might have vibed this. You're like, hey, Jim, this is awesome. This is great. But, but did you tell us everything? It seemed like there might have been some more stuff in your notes. Absolutely there was more stuff in my notes. I did not finish last week's message. In fact, these, this message last week, this week, and the next week are all really one message that I just got to figure out what to kind of break the line in. So I absolutely did not finish telling you how God has revealed himself. We talked about creation. We talked about the names in the Old Testament. But one of the most important ways, one of the most critical, one of the most clear ways, can't miss ways that God has revealed himself through to us is through Jesus Christ. That's it. If you really want to know who God is, then, then what you do is you take a look at Jesus. You go to the New Testament, you see who Jesus is, because who he is is a perfect reflection of who God is. And, and we know that. I'm not just kind of throwing that out there because this is a Christian church and that's what Christians say. We know that because of what Jesus said. The disciples, you know, these guys, group of 12 that follow Jesus, they're always asking weird and random questions. Which one of us is the best? You know, do you know what's going on? Who gets to sit on your right hand, your left hand? I'm not asking. My mom is asking for me. And so this, this crew, right? I mean, just kind of all over the place, disciples, which is so like us. They came to Jesus once after he was teaching and said, Jesus, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Jesus. Can you show us 
God. If you, it, you, you, you're tight with him, right? You, you and God, you're, you're simpatico, you're, you're, you're walking together. How about you let us see him? And this was Jesus' response. This is John chapter 14. I'll pick it up with the disciple that asked. His name was Philip. He said this, uh, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, just show us the Father and that will be enough for us. That, just, that is all you, just show us God and we will be okay. And Jesus says to Philip and the other disciples who are probably behind him, pushing him forward, you ask, you ask. I asked last time and got all kind of trouble. He said Satan was inside of me. So I'm here. you asked this time, right, Philip? And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, how can you ask this question, show me the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now, now we can spend a ton of time here. There's a lot of theology. There's a lot of truth here. But, but I want to, what I want to just pull out this morning for us is this statement. Whoever has seen me, this is what Jesus is saying. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Now you got your Bibles, your apps. You want to just highlight that, underline it. It is a big dog statement. A couple of big dog statements in the Bible, and this is one of them. Why is it such a big dog statement? Because Jesus is doing something more than just saying he's equal to God. Like I, I could say, hey, you know, me and you, you know, we're equal, right? You know, we got the, we got the same about height, maybe just a little bit taller. got the same build. I think you might be a little more muscular. He flexed. Good job. He's like, dude, what's... I got a little more, but it's same style kind of thing, right? You know, yeah, we're equal because we're kind of the same. Jesus isn't looking at God saying, hey, we got about the same power. We got the same, we got the same style. We got the same flex. He's not saying he is equal to God. What is Jesus saying in this statement? He's saying, I am the same God. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father because the Father and I, we are one. And, and what's so interesting is Jesus is actually a little frustrated by this. It's, it's not a surprise question. He's like, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you guys this. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much, Philip, for asking. It was on my Tuesday thing of our disciple staff meeting. It's an agenda item. I was going to cover it later. Is that what Jesus says? No. Jesus is like, man, what's going on here? Have you not seen this? Have you not been with me so long that you don't get this, that you don't understand that I and the Father, we are one? He expected his disciples to understand this truth. And I think it's important for me to say this morning because sometimes as a pastor, as, as a leader, I get the question. And it's usually from somebody who's pretty skeptical of Christianity. They're like, hey, hey, Jim, you know, I got, I got some questions for you. You're a Christian Christ follower, right? Yeah. Okay, well, I've got some questions. Can you answer for me? And one of the things that they often ask me is this. Did Jesus think he was God? Like, I know you're going to say he's God because you Christians, you kind of lift him up as God. But did Jesus really think that? Does, would Jesus show up today and go, what? What are you guys talking about? I was just a good dude who walked the earth. Did Jesus really think that he was God? Or is that some Christian narrative that you guys push? Well, the short answer to the question, did Jesus think he was God, is this. Do we have my yeses? Yes, yep, totally, sure, you bet. See, totes, absolutely, indeed, right on. Choose any of those. Jesus absolutely, absolutely 
thought he was God. He knew it. He, this, is, this is what he's communicating to us. Jesus understood that he was God incarnate. Jesus understood that he was the second person of the Trinity. And he communicated that truth. Almost every chance he got, he was pointing that out to people that were around him. In fact, just before Jesus goes to the cross, it's probably, probably a, maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two before he actually goes to the cross, Jesus has this encounter with religious leaders. They're coming up and they're, they're asking him questions, trying to trip him up. You know, did Adam have a belly button? Can you answer that? Just weird stuff, right? Trying to trip Jesus up to get, get him to stumble. And Jesus is answering their questions. And, and finally they're, they're, they're just like, Hey, Hey, we, we get that you're supernatural. They, they actually own it. We get that you're supernatural, Jesus. We get that. We, we see that you have power. We can't deny the miracles. We, we have seen you, you know, heal the blind. We have seen you make the lame walk again. Some of them had even seen Jesus raise people from the dead. If you know the story of Jesus, he raised at least two people from the dead. And one of them, Lazarus, was so dead that this is how scripture defines him in Luke chapter 11, verse 39. Behold, he stinketh. That's dead, dead. You know, and so, so here's Jesus. He's doing this. And I think he might have passed out and Jesus kind of resuscitated him. No, Jesus has this supernatural power to do this supernatural stuff. So even Jesus's enemies are like, hey, you are supernatural. Now, what they also did was said that power must come from the devil. I mean, I just, it just must come from the devil. We cannot imagine that you would be from God because that just turns our world upside down. So they knew that he had power and it was supernatural power. And Jesus is like, you guys, you guys, can I use the I word this morning? You guys are idiots. I can't believe, I can't believe that you guys would think that, that you would think that, that this power comes from the devil. I have this power. I do good because John 10 30, the father and I are one. He says that to them. Father and I are one. You've seen the father. You've seen me, me and God. We are the same. And religious leaders absolutely freak out. We know what happens in the story of the cross, but we don't often know about this story. So I'm going to read it to you super quick. John 10 31. After Jesus says this, the father and I, we're one, we're the same. The Jews pick up stones against him to stone him. They're going to kill him right here, right now. These leaders are so fired up about Jesus saying this. And Jesus answered them and said, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you stoning me? And the Jews answered, it is not for the good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself God. And so Jesus, Jesus was saying it. People understood it. Jesus absolutely was identifying himself to people as God. Now, if you don't know the rest of this story, they, 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 they grab him up and they're going to go and they're going to stone Jesus. And the scripture talks about Jesus just passing among their midst. No one knows exactly how this happened, but, but for some reason or another, just can't find him. They can't see him. And Jesus just kind of walks out of the situation which is another supernatural miracle act of God because Jesus is like, this is not where redemption happens. Redemption is going to happen at the cross. You guys, not today, <laughs> not today. In a few weeks, a few months, yes, then. And so you see Jesus just presenting this truth over and over and over again that he 100% knew that he was God, not equal to God. There are not two gods in Christianity. That's, that's important for me to say. There are not two gods in Christianity. There's only one. Jesus and the Father are one. Now, 
I told you I was going to get to a real deep truth this morning, and so far you're like, no, nah, Jim, that's, that's, I, I learned that in Sunday school, like fifth grade. That, I remember the flannel graph and, and, you know, and everything that was going on with that. Well, well, here's the deeper truth we're going to dive into because it's important for us to grab hold of, and it's the truth of the Trinity. And most of us have heard this. Maybe you, maybe you haven't. Maybe you're new to Christianity. But the Trinity is a concept that simply means this. There is one God. In the Christian faith, there is one, one God. There has only ever been one God. One God who exists at the same time as three distinct persons. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you are like, Jim, I... That, that sounds like math to me, and I, my brain is just gone right now. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I, I can't say that I know how to fully explain that. You know, my brain is full, too, way too small to fully comprehend who God is. I'm so, so glad that the Apostle Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a mirror dimly. <laughs> yeah, where there's some things we don't understand. There's some things that I, as a pastor, will not be able to fully uh, explain to you. But then face-to-face... Know this, that we shall fully know even as we have been fully known. There's going to come a time when we stand before Jesus and we're going to look and we're going to see the, see the one God that is three distinct persons and we're going to say, I get it. I get it. I understand it. But for now, this side of heaven, not going to be able to fully explain it. Just know this truth, that there's a trinity, that for Christians there's one God who is, has three distinct persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Important thing isn't necessarily that I can explain it to you so that you fully get it and you walk out here going, man, I, I understand everything about God and the Trinity. We, we can't exactly explain, you know, how gravity exists. We just know what matters. And the Trinity is the same way. You don't have to fully understand how it happens, how it works, but know this. The Trinity, the concept of the Trinity absolutely matters. You got, you just put it in your back pocket this morning. I said, we're going deeper. This is one of those moments. Put it in your back pocket because it's important for you to understand. Why? I'll give you a couple reasons. First is this. The concept of the Trinity, one God, three distinct persons, absolutely 100% sets Christianity apart from every other religion out there. There's no other religion that's going to say that. You have religions that say we have, we have three gods or we have a thousand gods or we just have one God, but there's no uh, thing out there that says that we just got one. And he's revealed himself in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. On occasion, I'll have some of my, my Muslim friends or my Jewish friends go, Hey, I, I, maybe, maybe. Maybe it's the same God we're talking about. Like, like we all love Abraham, right? Because the Muslim religion and the Jewish religion, they'll go back to Abraham. It's a part of their history and their knowledge. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. We got Abraham in common. I love Abraham. I remember the song, Father Abraham had many sons. You know, you sing that. I, I totally remember that. Man, I love me some Abraham. I'm glad you guys love Abraham. I'm glad you guys love Abraham. But understand this. We do not worship the same God. I think it's important to know that as Christians, we're the only ones willing to take Jesus at his word. And that's where the divide is. Jesus says, I am the father. I, we are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the father. Jesus takes this, this understanding of God and says, this is what it really means. Let me reveal God to you. And it even helps us understand Jesus' classic statement. When Jesus says these words, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. (laughs) Why is that true? Because the Father and the Son, 
they absolutely are together. So there's no way, there's no way to get to, to God without Jesus. You can't skip Jesus to get to God because Jesus and the Father are one. And what that does is, is it tells us that the Trinity is what eliminates every other religion as a path to God in this world. Because you can't get to the Father except through Jesus. And, and that's not because Jesus decided that. It's because Jesus and God are one. Distinct personalities, but they are one. The second reason why it's important to understand the Trinity and why I'm throwing it out here this morning and diving into it is because it makes the Old Testament make sense. I don't know if you're an Old Testament reader, but I am. I love the Old Testament, love diving through. And sometimes I read stuff that I'm like, man, man, that doesn't make sense unless I understand the Trinity. You can start in the very first chapter, in the very first verse of the Bible, as you're reading, in the beginning, God, the Hebrew word there is, is Elohim. We'll throw it up here for you. In the beginning, God, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. And if you're a word study guy like me, you're like, Elohim, what is that? What is that name of God? I love names of God. And when you get there and you read it, you recognize that Elohim is actually plural. Like what? Plural. God's given us a name that's plural. That is so weird because I know in Deuteronomy 6 that God said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, the, my God, the Lord your God is one. So is there a mistake in my Bible? Sometimes people will point to that. Jim, there, there's a mistake. Look at this. There's a mistake in God's word. And I'm like, no, there's not a mistake in God's word. You're just not understanding what God is teaching. There's no mistake in God's word. Moses didn't misunderstand what was said. He didn't write something down incorrectly. This is one of those glimpses where God says, I am bigger than you think I am. I am so much grander than you understand that there is more than what you're seeing right here. Read the whole book and you will discover me. In fact, you keep reading in Genesis, Genesis chapter one, and you hear God say this, let us make man in our own image. You ever read that? I mean, and just like, what? Who's he talking to? Does God, who's, who's God? Is it, is it, is it like an angel over there? Is just standing there going, me? You're going to make them after me? They're going to look like me? That is so cool. You know, it's, God's not talking to his angels. Who is God talking to? God is talking to himself. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit says, we're going to do this. We're going to, we're going to make man in our own image. And so you have these, these glimpses of Trinity all throughout the Old Testament. You see it everywhere. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and void, and, and darkness was upon, upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Here we are. We're, we're two verses in, and already we're introduced to the Holy Spirit. Here's the Holy Spirit right here at the beginning, creating with God, doing these amazing things with God. And so the Trinity helps us understand what God was doing. It helps us understand the deeper nature of God. It helps us see that God was at work. You want to you wanna get something that will blow your mind? Read John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then John goes ahead and reveals that that spoken word that brought creation into being was Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So we have this beautiful truth of the Trinity that helps us understand the Old Testament. One of my favorite Old Testament stories. This is my go-to with my kids. I love, I love telling them this story. It's so fun. It's, it's in Daniel. And it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
You remember the story, it's, it's awesome, or a billy goat, just kind of depending on what part of the South you're from. Uh, so you have these three guys, right? And Nebuchadnezzar built this big statue and he says, you're gonna bow down. And, and we don't know where Daniel is at this time. Maybe he's on a trip, uh, Hawaii, enjoying life, who knows? But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there and they're standing there. And when the trumpet blows, they're supposed to bow down and everyone bows down except Shad, Rack, and Abednego. And they're standing, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar's like, maybe they didn't hear it. Blow it again. And, and they're still standing. And he brings them up. He says, guys, you're, you're leaders in my, in my country. Why are you not kneeling? He says, we're never going to kneel. We're never going to kneel. He says, how about this? How about I throw you in the fiery furnace, then we'll see who's kneeling now. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, hey, you can do that. And, and we might even be destroyed and consumed, but we will not kneel to your false God. And Nebi, whoo, he got angry. And he says, man, I want you to torque that fire up so hot, it's crazy. It, it was so hot that the people who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego on the fire, it killed them. That's how hot this thing was. And so here's this moment, and, and Nebuchadnezzar thought he had taken care of these three boys who dared stand against them. And so, you know, it only takes a couple of minutes for, you know, for the barbecue to happen, I guess, you know, so the whole thing is happening there. And so he goes to look over inside, and, and this, this is the response, Daniel chapter 3, verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose in haste because he could see people in there. And he declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, what you're saying is absolutely true. That is what we did. And then, the, and then uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not heard. And the appearance of that fourth guy, he doesn't look like Shadrach. He doesn't look like Meshach. He doesn't look like Abednego. You know who he looks like? The son of God. What's, what's going on in this moment? I, what's going on is this, is God's given a little, little, little revelation to, to Nebuchadnezzar. You think you're king of this whole earth? Well, I don't want you to understand you are king of nothing that I haven't placed in your hand. And my son is there walking with those who love me. This, this beautiful, beautiful picture that we're given right here. And, and I love the story. It, it, the story doesn't make sense if you don't understand the Trinity. Even, even Christmas, I'll, I'll give you this one and we'll just move on. Even Christmas, right? When, when Isaiah prophesies about the coming Messiah and we read this and, and we're all like, oh, I love this scripture and we quote it, right? It doesn't make sense without the Trinity. For unto us, this is Isaiah 9, 6, for unto us a child is born. To unto us a son is given, that's Jesus. And the government will be upon his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And you, you get the Holy Spirit in there with Counselor. You get, you get God in there with Mighty God. You get the Father in there with the Father. And, and, and what is going on in this moment that, that we're understanding that God is bigger than, than we can ever comprehend, that He is Father, that He is Son, that He is Holy Spirit. And understanding the Trinity helps us, helps us understand the Old Testament. And the last thing I'll give you is this, and we'll start landing the plane here. The Trinity helps us understand our salvation. I think one of the most important things that you can understand about your journey is salvation, and the Trinity helps us understand that because we know first and foremost, Romans 3.23, we've all have sinned and fallen short. Every single one of us, there is sin 
in us. We get that, we know that. And that sin keeps us out of a relationship with God. God is, God is holy, God is perfect. Habakkuk 1.3 says this, that God is even too pure to look upon sin. That, that when God sees sin, that it needs to be judged and punished. Justice is a part of God. Remember we talked last week how God is not just all love and, and not all, all mercy, that God is also all justice. He's righteousness, he's pure and he's holy. So there, there's a piece of God that holds that justice and that is the father. And he needs to judge and punish the sin in this world, the sin in our life. But who could ever endure the full weight of that justice? Not a one of us. Who could ever endure the full weight of God's wrath being poured out? Not any one of us. Who could ever fully take the sin, shame, and guilt of the world upon themselves? None of us. The only thing that satisfies the justice of God, the wrath of God, is for God himself to say, I'll take it upon myself. I, I will take all of that. I'll do it for them. And then John speaks these words. For God so loved us, so loved the world, so loved you and me, that he sent his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, when God gave us free will and said, hey, this thing's going to go sideways. Jesus said, I'll be there. I'll take care of it. As God, I will take their sin. As God, I will Pay the price. You can pour out your righteous wrath on me. You can pour out your righteous judgment on me, not them. I'll take it for them. Paul writes these words in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What is salvation? Salvation is only God doing what only God could do to give us what only God could give. You get that? Do you get that going on that, that it's God doing the only thing that he could do to give us the only thing that God could give, which is his righteousness. You don't have righteousness that you built up. You don't have righteousness that you created. You have the righteousness that God gave you. His righteousness. So that now when he looks out, he doesn't see broken. He doesn't see sinners. He doesn't see people that, that can't seem to get it right. What does he see? He sees his righteousness covering you and the righteousness that allows us to come into his very presence and kneel and pray and worship and celebrate. It is the righteousness of God himself that covers us. That's what brings us into relationship with him. Which brings us all the way back to the beginning. The most important thing about us is what we believe about God, especially what we believe and understand about Jesus, who he is. God himself that has lived and died for us so that he could give us life so that we can stand in perfect relationship with him. The Trinity is a powerful thing that not only sets Christianity apart from everything else, but is a powerful thing that helps us understand God's word. It's a powerful thing that helps us understand how God relates to us and wants to walk with us every single day. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'll pray for us. And we'll have one more song of celebration and worship this morning. Father, deep truths. Man, Trinity, there's, there are whole classes in seminary about that kind of thing. 
But this morning, as, as we touch on that, you just, Holy Spirit, illuminate our own hearts and minds that we understand it, that we grab hold of it, that we see you for who you truly are. One God, one God, absolutely one God. But you revealed yourself as a father who loved us, a good father who cares about us, that you revealed yourself as your son who went to a cross, who, who became the perfect God-man who walked among us, who intercedes on our behalf. That you're also the Holy Spirit that fills us and anoints us and shows us how to walk in this world, gives us the power we need. Father, you be so real to us and, and who we are. You help us understand these things because what we believe and know about you changes everything. Let us hold on to these deep truths of Christianity and let them shape who we are as we walk in this world. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, don't forget to subscribe and share it with a friend. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. If you'd like to find out more information about giving or to see what's going on in the life of our church, please visit us at fccsantamaria.org. Thanks again for listening and God bless.